I've done a lot of stuff in my life, but I haven't made my company seven figures. This is my journey as I take other people's advice, anybody's, and apply it to my business in a pursuit to make it a seven-figure business. Here's the catch. I think 90% of advice is garbage. These people are coming onto the show to convince me otherwise. This is a visceral, comedic, and therapeutic exercise, my exercise on building a business from my POV. I'm Jeremy Redman. I'm the founder of V1. This is not boring business. She, it's but really true. She really is a cool people collector, though. That we've got to make it's a distinction cool. there. Well, you're both in my life, aren't you? Uh huh. <laughs> I feel I feel very lucky. Uh, she she pays me a lot of compliment, which I one of my love languages is words of affirmation. Yes. So for me, it, that is so important. I think people manipulate me though that way. You know, they go, "Oh, just tell him you love him. Just tell him you love what you did. Tell him you love his office." <laughs> You know, like all these little things that like, I guess if people know your love language, you can kind of be manipulated. They know how to manipulate you. You're, no, I'm not manipulating you, Jeremy. <laughs> you're, 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 you're very perceptive. Yeah. He is. That's, That's why I love yeah, him so much. Yeah, and I'm mucking with you because you said if we give you a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hello. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just checking our work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's how it's done. Uh, speaking, of, what is your, what's your love language? Do you think? Have you done any of this? I feel like you have. My buddy Mikey has done this. I don't know. Uh, I'd suspect I'm probably. I I do love. I I love being desired and complimented. So if somebody mm. goes, "Oh my God, your eyes are gorgeous," I just fucking melt. Can I swear? Is it? Yes, you can. <laughs> Excellent. I gotta earn that. I gotta earn that parental advisory sticker. Yeah. All right. Explicit language. Hoo-va, that works. I love it. Okay, so. Um, I'm so glad you were able to do this. Uh, Laurel has shared a lot of uh, pieces of your story or fragments of your story. And one of the big things that like she kind of led off with was a little bit of your background and how you wanted to be a police officer, but that didn't necessarily work out and kind of sent you on a, your own separate path. You betcha. Can you kind of unpack that? Because I, I think a lot of our listeners would just absolutely love this story. And then we'll go from there cool i was uh i'll start way back at the hyper beginning just for fun i was born two pound four ounces a sickly little kid i got picked on by everyone including the older and younger girls would pick on me and the only day i wasn't picked on was april fool's day because that was my birthday and so at catholic school the whole deal was on your birthday you get birthday punches well i got punched every day so i'd go to school and i'd be saying hey guys it's my birthday i brought cupcakes i'd be going it's a trick man don't hit him and uh, and it was like the best day ever uh meanwhile uh, i met a guy through cub scouts when i was growing up and his name was tony martin and tony was a policeman he was this massive fellow who eventually became the chief of police in the little town where I grew up of Scottsdale, Pennsylvania. And I so admired Tony because when he walked into a room, he respected everyone and everyone respected him. And I thought, police work, that sounds cool because that's what I want more of in the world. And so I did the cop thing. 
Uh, I also did the prison guard thing because the pay was marginally better and I wanted to get into the Pennsylvania State Police and that's where that adventure began. Uh, where do you want me to go with that? Cause, uh, okay, what I want you to go with is uh, your beat to death story. Yes. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, like, the prison was overtaken. Yes. And you go into it because I've only heard little pieces and I think it's amazing. So, so after all of that... Uh, you know, inventing myself as a policeman, wanting to make a difference and all that good stuff. I sold out to being a prison guard because I could make more money and eventually get into the state police, hopefully, all that stuff. And I was on the job for four months. I was a rookie prison guard. I went to work, I believe it was October 26, 1989. And that was the beginning of a three-day prison riot that we had. And I was taken hostage on the second day, uh, which would have been October 26th. And uh, beat to death had the typical thing that they ha call the near-death experience, uh, which isn't near-death at all. I mean, either you're alive, or you're, either your body is alive or your body is dead. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I remember uh, experiencing something that uh, you know, had me reanimate the body. And uh, you know, by then, some inmates were slapping me around and doing the fuck this guy's dead kind of thing. And uh, and I came back and started on this adventure here, just exploring. Wait, okay, so <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, go go go. Over that, like, so I just <laughs> well, so, then I'm on this adventure, like yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to myself. I'm thinking to myself. Uh, I want to know if he saw light. He was walking toward, like any. All when that you have this near-death experience, what was that like? Do you r remember any of it or no? Absolutely. Like, but by the way, it's sort of like Chinese food, right? Because like the first time you have Chinese, it's like, oh my God, they brought out rice. Yeah. After you do Chinese a couple billion times, it's not a big deal. Or, or after you get the significance of it all, because so when I died, like the whole thing of uh, white light tunnel waiting room, mm -hmm. uh, experiencing people that had gone on before me experiencing people that hadn't been born yet was a little weird but uh wait but I, you actually experienced that yes it, how, it, what, how was that what is that experience it, it was sort of like uh hey these are some kids that are going to be in your life I, at the time i thought they may have been my kids uh, turns out they uh that i i got snipped after i came back i just wasn't in the mood to have kids but it was like there were at least three maybe four that have become significant people in my life. And one was a grandchild and two were, you know, that I've met over here in Australia. But it's it, it was a cool experience because, you know, the exploring and discovering that uh, and really getting that we're not this physical body. We're what gives life to the physical body. Uh, we are eternal. And being able to come back here after that and discover... Uh, you know, we can live from that state and actually have an adventure while we're here uh, that just changes and, everything. Okay, so after you came back to life, yes, uh, you started, well, what was your next move out of there? How long were you in the hospital? When did you have the epiphany to start this tribe? Wow. I was messed up for a little while. Yeah, I, I, I was the guy where if I heard a helicopter mm. in the sky or saw somebody uh, dressed in a monochromatic uniform, I heard the of a police radio, it would you know, really ruin my day. Mm. Uh, I can't tell you how long that lasted. That was a while. But it, but I really needed that because it was like I, I had 
the near-death experience, which is, you know, and when you come back from that, you get a certain level of peacefulness around you because you get a big picture. But I also had this whole reactionary thing of PTSD going on, uh, which sort of was like, uh, you know, they, they, they sort of offset each other. So I really got to explore uh, the world of neurolinguistic programming was useful. Native American philosophy and technology was useful. And mm-hmm. all those things sort of added to me just, I, I, if I could put it one way, it would be having rubber meet road. Uh, okay. Because, because without that, it, it just becomes, a, hey, I had a special thing happen. Versus right. you know, part of my message is, uh, dude, you know, what you are, you know, my words, is God having the adventure of a lifetime. And you get to discover consciousness is the only reality. How you are aware of things determines your circumstance. And you really came here to wake up and discover who and what you are. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I, that's such a, I guess that's just an in, inspirational story, right? Like when people talk about struggle, it normally isn't about how I fucking died, right? <laughs> I actually was dead and I yeah, saw yeah. my unborn grandchildren, right? Like, or yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the, the basics were. Right. But like that struggle and coming back from that. Is there any other experience you've had since going through that that has even come close of hardship? Of hardship? Boy, what an interesting yeah. way to prep or to end that one with a bounce. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, so I'm an immigrant to Australia. I was born in America, and uh, I came over here in 2010 and met my wife. And that was pretty much old game over, new game beginning. But uh, what a fascinating other quote-unquote hardship because I literally restarted my life over again. And, and the weird, cool thing is, so it was October 26th, 1989, that I went to work at the prison, had a cosmic reset, rose up from the ashes, right? It was October 26, 2010 that I flew to Australia, essentially an old prison island, and restarted my life again. So I'm not a big fan of numbers or dates or anything like that, but I find that just a humorous gift that I gave myself. And that whole year, year and a half of restructuring my life, uh, it really brought a... If if the near-death experience brought a new perspective to life, this whole idea of let's move around the world, seek happiness with someone from a completely different culture, economy, so on and so forth... Uh, that too would have been probably one of the biggest challenges of my life. Sure. Was Australia for you an escape? Like you just wanted to get out of the States or nah. could you do and build what you built in Australia in the United States? I, be- I believe I could have done it anywhere, but when I came here, my, it was like literally finding home. Mm. I, I'd never experienced that before. I love where I grew up. I love the people where I grew up. But when I landed here, it's like, oh my God, it's like this is, this is where I land, and mm-hmm. and even when I was here for that first three week visit, quote unquote, I got a tattoo of Australia with a uh, thunderbird inside of it because I got yeah, this is I'm getting reborn again. This is gonna be such fun, <laughs> and uh, oh my. Listening God. to you uh, speak, it it's well, it's one, it, it I get some feels, but it reminds me of how Laurel speaks to me. <laughs> we were just going through this exercise about like how i should live like in the in the future now right is that right laurel not quite the right terminology but yes (laughs) 
That's in my own words. Who'd you think I learned that from? Yeah, I don't know. I'm handing you the, ba- the baton, Tony. <laughs> cool. Um, yes. So, yeah. like, you you started teaching people like Laurel how to live a happier life. How does this? How does this? Ha- how does this happen? Because she seems very happy. But like, I'm just unpacking kind of your experience. Cool. It's interesting when, so so after the whole 1989 incident, quote unquote, uh, I dove back into neurolinguistic programming. Uh, I'd been exposed to it before that as a police officer. I took a really cool course based on interview, interrogation, hostage negotiation kind of thing, which brought me into the neurolinguistic programming world which is all about studying the breadcrumbs left behind by human thinking or how people think, not what they think. And the other side of the coin that brought me sanity was Native American teachings, uh, which essentially had me going to the woods, playing with a lot of primitive skills, taking the old stories, and discovering what our nature is. And so my first foray into this was a little website I put up called truenature.org. And truenature.org was all about basically discovering your true nature by playing in nature with these skills and so on. And I think one of the biggest hallmarks that's different about my work compared to a lot of people's is I want you to simply find your true nature. I want you to discover the truth about you. Because Mm. positive thinking will get you so far. Uh, Self-improvement will get you so far. But if you really get your true nature, which initially I thought was working through Native American stuff, which was good fun, or Mm -hmm. exploring the thinking through neurolinguistic programming, which again was good fun, uh, but really getting uh, right. I can actually, on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, I am giving life to something. What am I giving life to? And uh, and I swear to God, uh, I decided a little while ago that 2019 I'd be doing a lot of interviews, right? Mm. And the, the first thing that happens is these ladies from, I believe, Portugal contact me. I did an interview with them two weeks ago. I have no idea what we talked about. We, we, there, there was a lot of giggling and a lot of translating going on, and I'm listening to whatever language they were speaking in English at the same time in my headsets and trancing out a lot. But we had a great time, and it's like, this is a great way to kick off the year. Yeah, and, then, right. and then you guys reach out and say, hey, can we do a podcast? Can we do it today? It's like, oh, well, today won't work, but uh, yeah. I this can't is, believe she did that. I can't believe she put that on you same day. That's all Laurel's fault. Isn't yeah. she lovely? <laughs> She's a people collector. <laughs> She's a people collector. Yes. <laughs> okay. How long? How long ago did you two meet? Do I don't remember? know. Two years ago. Two okay. and a half. Two years something ago. Something like that. Okay. I just appeared in Melbourne. Oh yeah. Twenty. You can tell that story. How you crazy know what? That was. You, you know what's really cool? I don't go more than twenty minutes from home. The first year mm-hmm. I was here, a year and a half, I traveled a lot because I had to leave the country every ninety days on my visa. Okay. And the and the last time I landed here, I just said no more. Okay, I am not. <laughs> I I only go twenty minutes out. That's it. And so, Laurel finds me, buys something, signs up for something. I have no idea. But she goes, "Hey, I'm in Australia, or coming to Australia, something like that. I'd like to meet you." And I said, "Well, I've got ground rules. Twenty minutes. <laughs> that's it. You know, twenty minutes. Yeah, you you come twenty one minutes out. Yeah, I ain't going there. Right. So, <laughs> uh, and the cool thing is, you come to my radius." Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you got you, you got to come to me. I'm sorry, it's just where I'm at in life at this point. And she ends up staying with someone who was, I believe, a stranger at the time, who's become a great friend to her, who happens to live right at the top of the hill that I'm staring at now. 
So do out you of, know how? Do you know how insane that is? It's like saying you're coming to Los Angeles, <laughs> and you happen to be staying two blocks away from the person that you're going to oh see. Oh yeah, sure. That's totally. how big Melbourne is. Yeah, yeah. Well, what you know, I walking the, distance from him. I had the Five same. Minutes. I had the same thing, Laurel. A, a, a fellow yeah. named Ross says, I want to hook up with yeah. you. I'm in Taiwan right. or Thailand or something. I don't know. And he, and he says, when I'm in town, can I hook up with you? And I said, sure. And you, you know right around the corner there's a parked limousine at the side of the road. Well, he stayed at the other side of that limousine. So it's right. like, all right, of course he ends up flying in and staying in, in a house that I could hit with a football. Yeah. So it's like, cool, Ross. Nice <laughs> to down. see you because I ain't going no further. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that well with out. that said, I got 20 to go outside of his 20-minute rule Whoa. to go see just one drop on the big screen. Hey. Yeah, you, you did. He said no. He said no, but I knew he was going to be there. There you go. And the next thing he goes, okay, I'm coming. Is the 20-mile is the radius have anything to do with the name change, 2020? <laughs> I have no idea. I made it up as I went along. We always make it up as we go along. We all do. That's what and, do. I have no idea how to run a company. I feel like. I feel like. Like I have, I've made two six-figure companies, but I've really, really, really struggled to make them seven-figure or get beyond like my comfortability. And she says you're a genius marketer. Yes. So like I wanna pick your brain. I wanna get a couple pieces of advice that maybe that are applicable to me, but also applicable to a lot bo- a lot of the not boring nation people that listen to this. Cool. Not so, boring nation. Nice. Nice thing. Not, is that kind of cool? Yeah. Right. It's like the it's the it's the podcast name equivalent of 2020. I just make it up as I go. Yeah, I you better. So, so you want to dive into marketing now? Sure. Cool. Like, so I'd love it. Like where you got your start, how you make your sales, things like that, how you reach people. I was crazy. Okay, let's preface that. I thought that I could make money. I lived in the backwoods of Pennsylvania. I imagined making a ton of money teaching uh, Tai Chi, Qigong, Native American wisdom skills, and stuff related to neurolinguistic programming. Uh, guess how many people want to learn that stuff in the backwoods of Pennsylvania? Not many. One. Yeah, one, right? Yeah, yeah, me, I'm it, right? And, yeah. and so, but I do get you a were hand. the one in that 20-mile radius blast so, zone. So, so I started getting people coming in to learn things, and th- life was fun, but people would cancel classes because they wanted to go drink beer at the river or something. And it's like, all right, I get it, beer, river, yeah, that's a priority. And 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 so I, I played with that, I pushed at it, I was pushing, you know, I was like Sisyphus, pushing that big rock uphill to have mm-hmm. it roll down the other side. And then I came across this genius weirdo guy named Dan Kennedy. And Dan said, sell information. And I thought, mm. okay, that's cool information. Because when you're selling paper or zeros and ones, you don't have a big cost. So you sell something for $100 that cost you a dollar. That's a good profit margin compared sure. to whenever I had an Army Navy store and I'd buy a pair of boots for $30, try to sell them for 60 while paying rent, right? Just impossible yeah. business model. So I started selling information, and I discovered something. People steal your shit. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, all right, this sucks, because I can yeah, I can send you a videotape, but you can bootleg it. Mm-hmm. Or I can send you a file, and you can share it with 50 friends. And I thought, this sort of blows. Yeah. And then I, I invented something new, because that model's wonderful. But I realized at some point, the 70 gigs of products that I had created could be you know, stolen or, or stolen or stole or shared in minutes with, with the higher speed internet that was coming out at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I developed the concept of personality marketing. 
If you fall in love with me, you will gladly give me money and steal it instead of stealing yes, stuff. Yes, motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. So, so especially that's for us, us people, people, right? Yeah, it's that's it's me, like, man. That's me, right? So <laughs> yeah. me too. So, so and you and when people get, I genuinely love you. I genuinely give a shit. I genuinely, yeah. I, I'm sure I'll get some benefit from being on your show, but I also I, I want to give it to you and Laurel yeah, yeah, yeah. because here we are. And, it, and it's like, so it, when I tell you, here's my top secret, it really is. And the rest of the world is beginning to catch on to this. But whenever people, that they, whenever they genuinely love you because you genuinely love them, they'll go. And I seriously, I've had people, I had a fella come to one of my live workshops in Pennsylvania, and he brought me $1,000 cash. And I said, what's this for? And he said, me and this other guy both bought all your stuff years ago. I bought one half, he bought the other half, and then we swapped. And he goes, I want to pay you for the half that, that he gave me. And I was just mm. blown away because you know, th- this, this guy loved me enough to say, hey, first of all, I cheated on you. Second of all, let me make it up to you. And it's like, <laughs> dude, cool. And, and that's <laughs> it. You know, the closest thing to you is another person. Yeah. And, and, and when you honestly love and care for them, they feel it, they know it, and they're going to go to bat for you. You know, I feel that a lot, and a lot of this stuff. One, it's kind of me getting over, like, being self-conscious of, I haven't done anything yet. I'm not I, I, I'm not that special. No one wants to hear. What's the difference between me and 2020 and Laurel and all these other people with good personalities? I'm just one in a thousand that's trying to get clients or whatever on it. How do, you, like, how do you amplify that message? Cool. Let me run with what you said right there. Ready? Great. I almost hate talking about the near-death thing because people go, in order to wake up, you have to have a near-death experience. Uh-uh. Wrong mm. answer. Right? Because that may be making the, spe- the experience special or me special. You can discover who and what you are by simply playing every day and noticing what am I giving life to. Whenever you get, you're giving life to everything in your life, that means you're the source of life. Sure. And so everyone can do that. You don't need to be beat to death. I'm just stubborn. They burnt they built they burnt down a 44-acre prison so I could start to catch on, right? I'm just stubborn, right? But, <laughs> but but you can do this easily. Now, here's the other thing. People want to put their message out here. And a lot of times when I'm working with guys that I guess they would call them millennials, uh the problem that I run into is they're going well, I'm not special. I'm not this. It's like you don't got to be special. You just got to honor your uniqueness. You've got to honor mm-hmm. your weird. I'm the weird spiritual mm-hmm. teacher that says the word fuck all the time, admits that he drinks whiskey sometimes heavily, <laughs> loves to chase his wife around the house, tosses all kinds of sexual innuendo into his shows. And, and, some, and some people go, right, I don't like this guy. And yeah. some people go, fudge, this guy's real. He eats meat. He, you know, you know, he chases his wife around the house. He adores her. All right? right. He, he'll tell people to bug her off. Right? I do. But that that's is the, that is sorry. But that's the thing because if I lied, if I if I chose to put out that I'm Wayne Dyer, I'd be a cheap imitation of Wayne Dyer. I love Wayne, uh, but I'm not Wayne. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne wakes up and says thank you. I wake up and say let's fucking hit it. Right? Like, I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, if I don't admit that to you and to you know, 10,000 listeners and so on and so forth, I'm watering me down. 
the best thing you can do is honor your weirdness honor your uniqueness you don't got to be special you've just got to honor you because if you honor you you're inviting your people to honor themselves and that's what they really want no matter what you're selling they really want to honor themselves and discover who and what they are i love that and i i think that's kind of what i'm doing now i'm becoming so comfortable in what i am for better or worse and i just start to start to believe uh in my gut more right like i've been i've been really busy like hustling and doing and acting with like a huge bias toward action massive action and building things and not putting out as much content because that's the vulnerable piece right like showing people like what i'm doing and going why would i listen to this person and i think a lot of times i are you familiar with like gary vanerchuk Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I love Gary. I hate his worship of struggle. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at <laughs> he some, does, he does. At some point, I lock Gary up in a little cottage behind my house. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Thanks for coming. We're going to tie you up for a while. We're going to have some fun. That is, uh, he's giving heaps to the world, but he's killing himself. Mm. And, and, and we don't need that. But, like, what if you... Like, so my, my life, I, like, I love to work. I love the office. And I, I don't believe you get something truly unique or great in the lives we live if you don't sacrifice. Some, I think you feel, I feel like you're going to sacrifice something, right? Like, and a lot of times that's time or hard work. So why the tenants of Gary are like, are there, are, are sound, I think he takes it to an extreme. Sacrifice. But I think, wow. Can you get some of that, right? Like, yeah. like oh, you, you got to sacrifice something. No, I've been there and believed that, yes, but I don't believe it now. Okay, what what has changed? Like, because I'm still in the you of the yesteryear then, because I still believe you have to struggle a little bit to get there. You're right, you can't have the sweet without the sour, you know? I love sweet and sour. I, I think you can't have the paradox without the paradox, but you can choose what the paradox is. Hmm. What do you mean I'm, by that? I'm working. My newest project is a, is this. Uh, it's a project primarily devoted to middle-aged men, because nobody's talking, nobody's offering meat to these guys, and and I'm a 52 year old guy. And 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 so when, so when I look around and I notice what middle-aged men are experiencing, yeah, whether whether it's. Uh, sexless marriages or, or waking up and going fuck man i don't have enough money to retire and i never will or declining health that happens so subtly that you wake up one day you're moving like a man the next day you realize you're a muppet these little tiny things that it's it's honest to god truth i started swimming two years ago and i noticed man well, men in their 40s still move like men men in their 50s are starting to move like muppets men in their 60s look like half melted marionettes right it's 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 fascinating to me but it's all reversible and and sure. that and that to me is the the interesting thing because if if we have some honest conversations about what's actually happening in lives, we can actually have some honest improvement. But as long as the story goes, hey Jeremy, how you doing? Oh good, I've been puttering around in my tool shed and uh, cleaning it up a bit, and I've been watching the reruns of a show back in the seventies. Or in other words, you're not having sex with your wife, right? You're <laughs> you're not going to tell me that, yeah. but 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 you are. And, and and if we address that, how do you become, yeah, 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 how do you become more desirous to your wife? 
suddenly, oh my God, everything changes in your life because your testosterone level changes, your, you know, the amount of color in your world changes. But, but until we really decide to be honest about these things, uh, because I look around and I talk to other guys my age and I realize that they're, they're hiding from themselves. And until mm. they can acknowledge what they actually got going on and step into it in a way that's useful, they're not going to make the changes that can happen without a lot of effort. Uh, I agree. Well, what is what is exactly middle age? Am I? Am, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll make up a no. number forty-five. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> got you. All right. I'm not. I, that be, I'm so relieved that I'm not middle age because when you say middle age, I go. I'm having like a middle-aged crisis right now. I feel like you know what I mean? men in their twenties are. Sure, I absolutely. Like yeah. that middle life, midlife crisis. Well, I'm gonna sell all I got and get and buy a red convertible and get a girlfriend half my age. You know, it's that, that that's <laughs> the, that's the joke, but it really is. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, when I see humor like that, and and when I and when I hear it. You know, echoing into all sorts of different fractally kind of ways. It's like, you know, we really have come to a time, I believe, in our culture where I, I hear the word authentic. I, I think that's horribly overused and too vague. Uh, being authentic is one thing. Honoring your weirdness, honoring your uniqueness, you know, really stepping up and going, right, you know, like, not this is who I am. But discovering this is who I get to be today. This is how I get to contribute today. Have you ever been on an airplane? Uh, yes. Right. So you ever notice the number one question when you sit down? They always ask, "What do you do?" Oh, okay. I, you know? I was. Yeah, yeah. When you're sitting next to somebody. Yeah. What I do you do? Like, my first question was, uh, "Would you like some peanuts?" I don't Would know why that. That's where <laughs> I went. I went to the stewardess asking a question. Nice. With fellow passengers, it's always, what do you do? And mm-hmm. they really don't care about your job. What, what they're actually asking is, how do you serve? Hmm. And until you, you really are willing to take a look at your own uniqueness, weirdness, and so on, you see, how I serve isn't, yeah, my big chunk, what yours got, having the adventure of a lifetime, consciousness is the only reality, how you're conscious of things determines your circumstances. That's all nice. It's also almost fluffy. Mm. Uh, but if we drill down to, yeah, I'm the guy who met a woman from Australia, packed up everything, came over, decided to start eating a lot of lamb, drinking whiskey, uh, honoring that. And you know what? I can still make a decent living because I figured out I don't want to trade time for dollars. That's another one of my messages. Let's stop you trading for time, time for dollars so you can actually have, have the time of your life, work with strategies on that. But it requires you, and, and here's the cool part. If you're going to really start to acknowledge and discover who and what you are, you've got to be willing to live outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Because because everyone tells you you're your physical body, you're your history, you're part of some Me Too club, versus what are you really? What yeah. you are is outside of the box. So how else can you live outside of the box? I'm probably making money while we're talking. I made some money while buying whiskey today because I had sales come in while I'm out shopping and at the dog park. This is well, fun this to me. Is- yeah, th- no, this is, I'm saying I can grind for a while and it's really fun and it's really cool. Yes. I'm still waiting for that point where I see the Stripe notifications on my phone yes. where I didn't have to touch something, you know? Cool. Like, we s- we're just now launching this product that builds native apps for people 
and hopefully this is the product i'm thinking about what is the what is the right price point what are what are some of the classes that you offer and going back a little further uh when you when you kind of start when you started out when you're more in my shoes how long did it take knowledge wise to build your first product before you could actually sell it and it was valuable to somebody meaning how long did it take to build it while you were making nothing before you actually sold it on a on a on a recurring basis all right, here we go. I made my first $10,000 online telling, selling two ridiculous products. Are you ready? Yeah, go. Uh, this is back in the age of VHS videos, so I had to go to Walmart and buy a couple VHS video recorders, connect them with cables, so I spent about 150 bucks on that. I borrowed... Can you guys hear me over the helicopter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can hear cool. the helicopter, too. <clears throat> yeah, we'll but. let him go real quick. <laughs> yeah, back in the old days, that would have set me way off. <laughs> Anywho, so I made two products. One was Invisible Striking, how to hit a guy between the eyes before he can even think of blinking, right? Mm. And my second product was the Handshake Induction, made famous by Milton Erickson, uh, who uh, he could put you into a trance just by shaking your hand. I thought those would be fun. And so the first one is easy. I was a martial artist for yeah, a couple decades, so I put together a little product and I made it for police officers only, which meant everybody bought it because they were hoping that I wouldn't ask them for their creds. And the handshake induction one was uh, nobody made a video about that before that. So I went and trained with Richard Bandler and uh, took about 90 days to perfect that. And my one buddy says, will you teach it to me? And I said, sure, Mike, can I film me teaching it to you? And so I film. So the so my first product, or, well, I forget which one came first, but the uh, the hitting product happened because I filmed basically what Mike and I would do in a typical class. My second product was me putting Mike into trance about 40 times in 60 minutes. Hmm. And I put them both on eBay with the most ridiculous ad copy, stuff with all sorts of misspellings, bold print where there shouldn't have been, red lettering. Uh, I misspelled whatever I found the common misspellings were when people were looking for like neurolinguistic programming or you know, Bruce Lee's one-inch punch, that kind of thing. So I yeah. included all that stuff. And I made my first 10000 bucks probably within three months. And wow. uh, and then I then I had my problem, which is I wasn't thinking strategically. I was thinking like a guy that had a brick and mortar business. You put up a product and you sell it, right? So my problem was people would re email me and say, "What else do you got?" I was like, "Fuck, man." So I decided, <laughs> well, what's my third product going to be? My third product was hypno hitting, right? So I basically took Milton Erickson's trans induction technology, applied it to martial arts through something called a slip block, and showed how you could put people in trance whenever they punched at you, right? Right. And so, and so that was my third product, and I just sold those all on VHS video for the first year and a half, and just had a stack of each video. VHS video recorders in my basement that I just churned through. I'd I'm, I'm still trying to get on this timeline here. You were selling yeah. VHS videos on eBay? Yeah, two th 2002. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had no idea people would buy a v Like, this is, it's a wonderment to me that, like, you were able to sell a VHS in 2002. Yeah, well, like, DVDs came out around then, but they were you know, a little, you know, it was a sluggish market, then eventually instant downloads, but, oh, I resisted all that. Man, I left so much money on the table. Uh, because but, you uh, didn't go to, like, DVD or digital downloads? 
Oh yeah, I mean you know, all that stuff was expensive in the old days and time-consuming, oh, okay. and uh, yeah. I had to learn something. I'm, I, I wasn't in the mood to learn something that year, apparently. <laughs> so uh, okay, so you're selling the VHSs, and yes. but you still have to like pack and ship, right? So yep. what what was your first digital product that like you actually they get it automatically, the transaction goes through, you don't have to do shit. Passive income. Really going passive, that would have been some audio product. So I would have been putting out different uh, NLP-related products right after that window because uh, digital video downloads were pretty much impossible at first, but digital audio, Mm -hmm. pretty easy. So, uh, yeah, I started putting those out. And the the thing that I discovered there, remember this whole personality marketing thing? Uh, I had a couple Yahoo groups because Facebook was just starting up or hadn't come into existence yet. So I basically collected up, yeah, I made a couple Yahoo groups up and got two to 300 members in there. And all I needed was 10 people talking. Because Mm -hmm. if 10 people are talking and I'm answering questions and everyone's getting these email notifications, hey, something else, uh, they all start going, fuck, this guy knows something. Let me order his... uh, One of them that became a digital download was the world's most expensive CD, $97. It was one CD, 40 minutes long, roughly. And I needed uh, like 1,200 bucks for uh, uh, property taxes. (laughs) So it's like, fuck, man, (laughs) I got to put something out. If I sell 12 of these, I'm all right. And... uh, (laughs) Well, actually, 13, so I can pay shipping. And, uh, yeah, bang. And so, you actually sold it? You actually made it? Yeah, absolutely. I made Actually, I made three volumes of it. I thought, let's see if I can do this again. Uh, but it was a cool little CD that just cut through the chase. And, and here's another thing. In today's society, it's even faster. People don't want to buy a 24-cassette tape thing on how to do something. What they mm-hmm. want is something fast. And so, like, I put out my little five-minute podcasts, and uh, people like them because they're five minutes. Uh, sure, I yeah, find, right. I, I find anything that I can do, if I can put out a little super summary or something, people eat it up. Or if I put out a product, you know, almost none of my uh, little products related to uh, Feel It Real or Neville Goddard or whatever, or almost none of them are more, are more than an hour or so. Sure. Because people don't want to spend a lot of time. They want to do something quick and go play. So... Um, I'm going to interject something here, 20. Um, cool. You're, you're missing all of my antics of jumping up and down and smiling and pointing, saying, see, I told you. <laughs> to I have Jeremy. to look away. I have to look away from this <laughs> no, I'm cartoon getting, in I'm, front of me. <laughs> I'm getting great pleasure. But one of the things that I have learned from you is, first of all, I just watch what you do and how you market mm. and how you really build your tribe. Yes. And I'm I'm convinced that I the success of my film Just One Drop over the last two years has been a lot because of what I've learned from you. And one of the things that I've been talking to Jeremy about is really finding what people's um, hunger is and feeding their hunger with his products. So it's in a sense going in the other direction rather than what can I create and how can I get it out there, but looking at what are people actually hungry for. Can you speak to him a bit about that? Sure, so I'll go back to my first two products. Uh, Let's talk hunger pains. Uh, So with a hunger, I love feeding hungers, uh, but hunger pains are it. Uh, my, with the uh, Invisible Striking ad copy, I basically talked about uh, if you don't get this, uh, even if you're a, an advanced black belt martial artist, so, and somebody takes you out, you're going to be sucking dinner down through a straw. How do you think that's going to look to your kids? Not very good. 
not very good. What about your karate school? Right? So I mentioned that kind of stuff in the ad copy, and they're going, fudge, man. Even black belts are buying this because it's like they get it because a lot of black belts can't fight. And so it's like, right, if they can actually learn how to fight, <laughs> you know, that's a bonus point. Uh, with the Milton, uh, Milton Erickson handshake induction, the pain that I removed was not being cool. Because if you can show your friends the Milton Erickson handshake induction, you know, little Jimmy was watching me do this. He started doing it to his friends and was doing it within 15 minutes. They thought he was the coolest kid on the block. So we're removing that pain of not being the cool kid, of being the geek or whatever. Uh, always find the pains. What's the pain they want to they, that, that they want to eliminate? And, and, and here's the big key. If you can articulate the pain they want to eliminate better than they can, they will mm-hmm. assume you have the solution. But make sure you've got the solution, because if you articulate it better than they can and you can't solve it, then you're just a fraud. I, 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 have, I have found the pain, right? Like, I've lived it over the last three years. Yep. We finally built something that addresses that pain point. Mm. Right now, it's how do I figure out the price point, right? That's like both make economical for me and then pushing it to someone else. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to make money, but here's the thing. So, excuse me, I'll go back to the earliest part of the call. Uh, this is where I live from. I imagine that uh, what would imply my wish has been fulfilled. So I put out a product called manifestingmasterycourse.com, I don't know, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's a 90-day little program, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And what I imagined was getting heaps of letters from people sharing their success stories with me. Then I started making the course. And then it's like, well, at 97 bucks, that that's what I kept getting in my head, 97 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I can make money at 97 bucks. I could make potentially three times as much at 297. Or I can make half as much if only uh, one-sixth of the people buy. Again, we can get lost in the think do But if I already moved to the... <laughs> the yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's those technical terms, right? Like when you go to the psychiatrist and they write on the paper JPN, right? Yeah. Ju- just plain nuts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's the think-a-do stuff that does make you JPN, right? Yep. So so if we skip all that and just go, right, so you know, when you get to, right, uh, you, know, you, you imagine what would imply your wishes fulfilled, your product's doing great, so on and so forth, uh, and you really nail that feeling, and you'll notice what your price point is. At 97 bucks, I can do all right. Even if, like, once every seven days somebody sends me an email, I take two minutes to reply, that works, right? Yeah. It still works good right. for my time. They'll probably buy other stuff. I've got upsells, side sales, whatever. But just really coming from it's already a success, uh, it, it's almost like the answer just presents itself. And then, of course, you can look at it and go, right, you know, $17 or $97. You know, that works. I mean, fa- you know, you know, let the number, co- quote unquote, come to you after you're already in that success state. Yeah, I'm already yeah. nailing this. This is already working well. And then do your math. Cause now, if you, if, you have a, if you have a minimal budget, which is what I'm looking at for marketing, what is one of the, what, give me the best tactic you have off the top of your head that gives me the best bang for my buck right now. Define minimal budget or yeah, what are you doing for marketing? Are you going to be on Facebook or what? I'm doing 100% nothing right. As of today, I, I've only, I mean, because we kind of soft launched our product. Um, I'm kind of just now going to deploy a couple ads, going to some networking events, getting people on board. 
I went to a conference and had a little table where I got two people. How much money are you saying? Isn't that what you were asking when you say minimal budget? Sure. What are you talking about? Well, like a couple grand. All right. Can can you write articles about this? Make little 60-second Instagram videos, anything like that? Yeah, I can, for sure. <clears throat> cool. I would get Meet Edgar. Uh, Meet Edgar costs 50 bucks a month or something. And when, when you look at Meet Edgar, Meet Edgar basically posts stuff to Facebook and Twitter and crap all the time for me. So... Uh, Meet Edgar does it on autopilot. You put things in, it'll keep cycling through your stuff. Now, here's what's really cool. So if you can make a little 60-second Instagram video, which I find are really hot, mm -hmm. uh, you can re-upload that to Facebook. You can stick it on a web page. You can put it on YouTube. And then you share it through Meet Edgar. And you, know, you share it to whatever applicable Facebook groups that you have on your own personal timeline or whatever. And what happens is, like, probably... In the past 24 hours, Meet Edgar's probably put up 30 pieces of content for me. And it's stuff that I've written uh, yeah, over the past year or two years or so. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to rewrite it. I don't have to post it. Meet Edgar just puts it up and it drives people into a funnel, essentially. And what's cool about that is I do almost no paid marketing. I, yeah, I, that's I, what I, I want to work toward. I, I, I think the most I ever did for paid marketing was probably about 500 bucks in a year with Facebook. Uh, besides that, I do almost I did almost nothing. But this Meet Edgar thing cost me 50 bucks a month. It keeps reposting my content in front of people that are looking for it. And uh, and I just show up and answer some questions once in a while. You know, hey, yeah, okay, now I'm going to have to unpack this Meet Edgar, th Meet Edgar thing. Meet Edgar's awesome. For for the money, it is just absolutely the best thing. And again, you, you know, it's I know people are selling up a lot of different approaches with stuff, but uh, my whole thing is if you're actually solving a hunger pain, uh, you just keep putting yourself in front of your parade, and and make it personal as well. You know, like that's probably, what. Well, yeah, like I I made this this crude demo video. So on the on the homepage of my website, I actually point out that it's a crude video. Like, and I and I even make a joke. I, I don't even, you're probably not even going to watch it or read this and watch this because you're going to do one or the other. And it's me, right? Like, it's branded me. It's, it's, it's me in the video. And you click it, and it's just me making, like, having a decent time walking through my app builder. Sure. And, and one guy was like, or I just got some feedback. I was like, well, you're not really, like, you don't seem like really confident in the in the builder and i go i don't like i don't i didn't get that with me i'm having fun i'm being just myself you know like walking through people i don't want to oversell anyone on this seat like i don't want to totally. go oh this is the greatest thing this is i just want to be like hey this is this i worked my ass off and this is my dream this is everything that it's supposed to be here's some add-ons like i'm myself i hope that wins or are there more like Slimy tactics also win, right? But All it's right. not me. So, so I, I leave spelling errors and stuff and up on my website. And, <laughs> and I really do. Some of them are even intentional. And, 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 and here's why. Uh, people that will go, oh, he misspelled the word training. Mm. They're not going to buy anyway. And if they yeah, do, they're going to want to refund. 
Yeah. So I, I blow them all out of the water immediately with, hey, welcome to another exciting of Feel It Real Fun. You know, boys, get the fuck over here. You know, Jesus, right? And the yeah. puppies come back. And, and the people that are going, I want a sanitized version of everything. I want it to all be nice, fluffy, unicorn sound bites. They're going to turn me off immediately. But yeah. those that go, hold on, this guy's got 700 and some shows. He's got over 1,000 articles. He's been online since 2002. Uh, maybe he's actually a real guy. Yeah. I, I, I love that. <laughs> I think that's so true. I think when people, when it's not like completely horrible or terrible, right, where you're just like intimidating a bunch of people, you're just a racist or a sexist, and that's clear. Like, unless it's completely horrible, I think when people nitpick on that, if it's yes. a great product, they'll either look past it, right? Yes. Or if they believe you, they'll look past it. At the same time, when they point to that little thing and go, oh, dude, it doesn't even, you're not that confident about it. It's like, that person's not, it's just, it's one of the 90 out of 100 that aren't going to buy it early on. They're know? always telling you about themselves. They're not confident in your product. Sure. That's all. Yeah. I get the lady that puts up a thing and she says, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm not angry. You're angry. Right? <laughs> Don't you dare say it's me. Because when I'm angry, I'll admit it. Yeah, I'm angry. Right? You can see it. Uh, on the other hand, if I'm not angry, it's like, you know, no, no. You're bringing something to the table and pretending it's me. I yeah. believe it. Yeah. 100%. Okay, 20. This is yes. me jumping in for a second. Um, Yo. <laughs> let me see where I'm going <laughs> back with this. To back to Laurel's crazy antics. Okay, so I've had now had the most delightful week working with Jeremy. Oh. We just are inseparable. I try. And I'm beyond thrilled that you guys are talking together. Um, but one of the things that I've really been working with him is he's 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 – can be very stressed and he's saying things like if I only had money I wouldn't have to do this if I only had this and I wouldn't have to do this and I keep trying to pull the Neville out with him and yeah. he now thinks I'm completely delusional but part of him says but I really like this but I really like this but what about reality so with that said he is one of his big goals and dreams is to write a best-selling New York, a New York selling, a New York, what got, is, how do you say Gotta it? be a New York Times. New well. York Times bestseller book. And he has this idea. And everyone who comes on the show, he asks them, what do you think and can give me advice on this? And I would love you to give him advice on that. Okay. So I'll give you, I'll give you the little log line. Okay. Got it. And it's called uh, the lemonade stand at working title, but it's essentially why you should run your business and your life like a 10 year old runs a lemonade stand. And it, it, it kinda, it, it's the art of getting out of your head, s simplifying everything, maybe even oversimplifying everything just to overcome the fear and act with massive action. Making it, all these principles towards simplifying everything. It sounds like what everyone else has written. Hmm. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Uh, massive action. <laughs> yeah, all those buzz like, phrases. Well, I, I yeah, want to, yeah. yeah, I get that piece. And I think I, I listened to like someone's, I was listening I, to yeah, someone's yeah. audiobook about it. But yep. it's like the simplification of it, right? Like there's certain applications yeah. oh, where I'm with you. I'm that so I learned with you. while my lemonade stand was, was being built. Like yes. in, when I was a younger entrepreneur, I think people overcomplicate everything. 
I am so they with get you. in their head, you know. I I would write. Uh, I'd change the title to something like "Your Lemonade Stand." Make it personal. Okay. Right. But I think the number one thing is is always going to be how do you avoid. I, I love hating that word. How do you avoid? How, how do you avoid using any of the buzzwords? Like massive action. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love. Here's what I love about Gary V. Ready? Yeah. Crush it. He avoided all the buzzwords. He used two words: crush it. Yeah. And everyone's like, crush it? What the fuck's that about? It's about everything, right, that you just said, but Gary just skipped to crush it. Or the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. That guy's book was all about core values. I love core values. Laurel's heard me rant about core values and core value. The second one almost nobody talks about. But, but nobody wants to buy a book on core values. They do want to buy a book mm. on the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Ooh. You're, gonna, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna left you're gonna left twenty. We're sitting here with books right over our head, crushing it. Gary Vanderchuk and the subtle yep. art of by Mark. But, <laughs> yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah, Mark yeah, yeah, yeah. But but one one of the things I also want to be really clear about the question I asked is that he that I feel like Jeremy is having the desire the desire he has is the actual winning the award or getting the getting sure. the book out there, and I keep yep. trying to what, to go what, what, try to work with what, him on that. Yeah. What's your real desire? I want that. Like, I I get it. Some some people say it's like, it's superficial. But like, I I want to put Jeremy Redmond, New York Times bestselling author. Like, I want no, that don't. title. No, I, no, you don't. That's what she no, tells don't. me. That's what she tells <laughs> We're me. Si- yeah, 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 He's yeah, siding yeah. with me now. <laughs> no, it's like yes, I do. Yes, you know what you want. You uh, want you the letter. From, you want the letter from the little girl that says you changed my dad's life. You kept our you family know, maybe. together. I like it, that too. It, it'll be something like that because it's got to be a people to you. That's a good second prize. <laughs> when, 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 when you're at the airport and and you see people reading your book, or when you overhear someone saying this book changed my life, that makes it real. Yes, I do see that, and I. I, yeah. So if I self-publish something and I get that, great. No, 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 no. They're not mutually exclusive. You're not no, going to be know. in dime. You're not going to be in Dimax if you're not a best-selling book. So or Dimax or whatever it is at the airport. Uh, I was going to say, you, what is Dimax? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you've got your best-selling book, but it's the impact. It's that personal impact that this mm-hmm. best-selling book has. Don't you think they come like if you're on the New York Times bestselling list? Don't you think you've made somewhat of an impact, or that implies that, like enough people have bought your book, it probably word of mouths, right? Like it's made enough lists, people have talked about it enough. It's making a social impact, and being a New York Times bestseller is a reflection of that. Yes. Like that's how I think about it. It's not yeah, necessarily to- totally that it's with you. Just New York Times bestseller. It's everything it takes to get to that point. You've you've convinced a big publishing house, right, to, yes. to gamble on your book and put money toward it at marketing dollars. You've gotten maybe an agent, and that was a fun little game. And yes. then you, enough people have bought it at least in a week, right? Because <laughs> it's about trajectory. It's not necessarily about so so so, uh, so, so you want to have fun. I, I uh, write it's the all about fun to, to books. I write the forwards to books. I write more forwards I like than I, like I do that. books. Let me do write you? your forward. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It's good. 
cool. Let's do it. Now, here's here's the thing. Ready? I imagine people writing me because they say the forward you wrote in that guy's book changed my life. <laughs> you, you get how real that is to me? It is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, si- I'm sitting in my Ames chair drinking my coffee, hearing the traffic go by, listening to my wife and puppies snore, and I get another email from someone that says, hey, this, this Jeremy guy, his book changed my life, and that little bit you mentioned in the foreword really kicked me in the teeth. Thanks. <laughs> nice. That's, that's, what, that's what I... You, you get it? I, I'll those are those words from, of affirmation. You're a words of affirmation uh, guy, too. You know? Uh, it's already done. I, I'm literally, and by the way, someday we'll send someone will send me the the little email that says, "Hey, you know, yeah, 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 kicked me in the teeth." <laughs> Yay, cool. They'll get that I get it because that's a realness to me, that that visceral feeling. What's the visceral feeling that you get once your book has nailed it? Uh okay. So I've been doing these exercises with Laurel, yeah. like a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to get to these this place that's like she calls it. I act more heady, like I'm in my head about it. Yeah, you and looked feel- up into the left when you gave the answer at the beginning. Ah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I think in my head, I'm a, I'm, I'm a naturally happy individual, but yep. I'm driven by a, se- by a sense of accomplishment. Like yeah, it's, me too. I, I hit this, I check this off, look at this process, on to the next process. Like I'm a happy, and if as long as I'm checking those off, I'm a very, very, very happy, very happy person. Cool. I feel like extremely I'm gonna accomplished go, at that point. I'm gonna go Tim Ferriss on you. Are go. you ready? Right. Cool. So Tim mentions in his Four Hour Workweek book the chapter that everyone skips is the thing, which is whenever you've nailed this, what are you gonna do with your life? Because I remember when I first married, my, well, before I married my wife, I, I should go to work all day. I'd geek around here. Should go to work all day. I'd geek around here. Because my thing is, how do I develop a system and streamline it to the point where I only got to work two or three hours a day? If that. And so I keep working on that. The problem is you run into, well, I could start drinking at 11 or you know, watch porn or just waste time Love or just porn. go depressed. Right? All these weird things get to show up versus like, right, uh, What's my next muse? I go to the pool. I play with all... So so one of my things... Uh, so Tim mentions, what are you going to do with your spare time? Once you're only working four hours a week and all your friends are still working 40 and worshiping struggle and all that. Yeah. Well, heck, I go to the dog park for two hours a day. I go to the pool for 90 minutes. Uh, I, I, I talk to people like you. Uh, how fun is this? I go hang out at Liquorland. Yeah, I sell I sell booze. I don't even work there. That is a, <laughs> but, that is a heavy liver you have. Uh, it is. <laughs> but 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 what but what a fun way to live because when when uh, this whole thing with accomplished, I, I'm my accomplishments on a daily basis. The sales and stuff all take care of themselves. The accomplishment to me is giving someone a good answer. The accomplishment mm. to me is going to the pool and involving more of my body with my swimming or developing a new exercise routine based on something. So I find all these other ways to accomplish things because I'm already accomplished in business, because mm. my stuff's already working well. This new, pro- this new project of mine is, an, is, is my new one for 2019. It's like, right, I, I already got one business going great. I've got some side projects that I always work with, but the next biggie's going to be this man thing. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and, I, and I get it. 
because I am serving myself. The 52-year-old guy, 42 to 62, that's my target market, essentially. And so, and it could include the 22-year-old. I'm having younger guys check this stuff out and say, this is great. Mm-hmm. But here's the, here's the cool thing. Uh, the, the accomplishment side, I think we always need to feed that. Because if we're not feeding that, we're going to find ways to keep busy instead of being productive. Sure. I, I, I have so much I want to accomplish because I, I really started to put myself in the situations as you were dis- as you were discussing yours. I there's no one I don't believe the four hour work week exists. I don't I believe a lot of tenants in that book were great, yep. but I believe Tim Ferriss, and I've held this belief for the longest time, is he talks about in the beginning of the book that he's worked the fourteen hours a day, the sixteen yep. hours a day, and gone through it for years. I believe had he not done that, he would yes. not be Tim Ferriss today. Sure, absolutely. Had he not felt that pain, that grind, that strife, he wouldn't be, the book would have been nothing, right? Someone else would have written it. It wouldn't have been Tim Ferriss, but he preaches the four-hour work week. It just doesn't, I think a lot of the tenants are smart and good. I'm always going to work 40, 50 hours a week, I feel, doing something. If it's podcasting and it doesn't feel like work, if it's talking and joshing around with Laurel or 2020, something is going to be, like, uh, manifesting in me. I've got to do. So, like, I don't know. I think that's – after I accomplish the New York Times bestseller, it's like, well, I'm I'm done writing stuff. I'm I'm going to go make this film. When I hear you talk about it, it sounds like it's a game. Am I right? Yeah. Endless games. I love games. My my whole life is games. Games, I, man. I, it's I love all it. games. It's all oh. games. I, how do I get this? There, there's a guy at the local Coles. Laurel's been there. I don't know if she's seen him. He's one of the guys that pushes the carts around. He doesn't smile. He yeah. He became a mission of mine. I'll get that fucker. Right. <laughs> I I will right, and finally one day, I walk past and I walk. I, I see, looks over and he gives me a grin. It's like, done, next. You know, maybe I can get him to smile twice tomorrow. But whatever it is, mm-hmm. I I find the people. Uh, I don't know how they get bored, but if you if you approach everything in life as a game to be played, and the opportunity to discover yourself as a dance. Uh, God, nothing, nothing becomes work. Mm. Okay. Everything becomes the possibility for play. All right, all right. That that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great sentiment to end on. To end on. To uh, end on. Wait, I, had one, I have one oh, more quick wait, thing. You got one First of all, I have to say, Jeremy is. I think you just love your work, and mm. I. Yeah, I don't think it's really work for you. I think it's all play for you. Sure. I think you play hard, but he loves love. He has great passion about his work. But something that happened today which I was trying to help you with, is that we were talking and he's looking at his cell phone. And he's looking at his cell phone and I started mimicking him. I said, is this the way you want to have a conversation with me? Can and he says, well, I wouldn't have to do this if I actually wasn't feeling so stressed about money. To which I said, bullshit. I don't buy yep. it one second. And I said, you got to talk to 20 about that. So I'm going to yep. hand it back to you. <laughs> okay, 20, talk some sense. <laughs> cool. Money represents value. You are what is of value. So, so money's never going to solve anything. By the way, I don't mind doubling my income and doubling it again. I think that's fun and working half the time with each mm-hmm. uh, or having twice as much fun while you make twice as much money. Uh, but 
God, this whole thing of like, if then loops, or if then loops, if this happened, then I could do that. Yeah. Uh, it's time now. Yeah. You know, God, it's all. It's always time now. If you put down the phone and you notice a little bit of a dopamine hit needing to show up, cool. You notice it. Mm-hmm. This is so cool because, you know, any time that there's an if-then loop, kill it. If we made out twice as much, then I'd be a happy husband. Oh, my God. How many divorces <laughs> does that create? Then you make out twice as much. Well, if you had twice as much fun while we made out, then, oh, my God. Then, oh, my God. If, if we had twice as many people in the bed. And it just cascades into the, the most fascinating things. Versus, like, right, I'm choosing right now to give life to genuine joy. Because It's a very present uh, mindset that well, you we guys can, are living in. We're either going to chase happiness or experience the joy of who and what I am now. And here's the key. I am not into positive thinking. I actually despise positive thinking. What I'm I'm into is I'm naturally happy, it seems. Again, I seem to be happy, so that's how I'll put it. I seem to be happy because I know who and what I am and how this all works. I I know I can give life to what I choose, and all i got to do is continue to, to surrender to that. Like you guys showing up. How fun is this? This is too fun. This has been too fun. I've been grinning the whole time. I'm sure. Now, the fun thing is Laurel says, oh, I'd love to be on it, but I'm going to do it. It's like, if you really want on it, you'll be on it. Right? I caused caused a snowstorm. I caused a big snowstorm, and I talked JetBlue into waving my change fee. Can I say this to both of you? Uh, You're both great. And I do believe you did say that money doesn't solve things right yes i think you both said that i and i just say this but money solves money problems right so like the tax man i'm wants with you. a three thousand dollar bill for me right and i've got to stress about that bill you don't it's gotta like, stress about it. That That's an bill option. exists did you hear what yes. he just said no i didn't he said you don't have to stress about it That's oh sure option. i get that but i've got to pay <laughs> yeah, that yeah, bill okay, okay ready 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 go ready? All sides of the coin when it comes to money. Ready? I enjoy making it, spending it. I enjoy paying it to the tax guy. I in, I in, I enjoy investing it. I in, yeah. where if there's any place where you don't enjoy money, uh, you've got a money problem. On the other stand, <laughs> if you, uh, I swear to God, this is not, you know, bullshit language. But this is like, right? Can I imagine having fun paying taxes? I pay more in taxes now than what I made in a year when I came here. Sure. I like that. Yeah. I find it fascinating. It's a good uh, problem to have. Oh, I got to pay I too lo- much. I love ha- I, I love having great problems. Not a fan <laughs> of the IRS by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what's the tax the- man called in Australia? I don't know. Oh. The Australian tax office, I think. Okay, that's straightforward. Everything on Australia is straightforward. It's so funny. Like, we call a torch a torch. You guys call it a flashlight. It doesn't flash. It does put out light. But they call mm. it a torch here. We had a discussion about this at the dog park this morning. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like a torch has some... I feel like a torch has to be a flame. Me you too. Know? Yeah, it catches just, things on fire. Yeah. I, so... I don't know. I guess. Okay, this is enough. You guys are so amazing. Like, okay, 20... Uh, what about your commu- get your plug get your plug in this will be seen by at least over a thousand people so like get your plug in what are your communities where can people find you 
say what say what you need to say. I love the fifty, the middle-aged man thing. Whatever you want, F- show, show floor is yours, sir. Cool. I'll toss up three real quick. Number one, uh, freeneville.com. That's the one which most people will probably find the most new agey, but it's also the the most needed one. That's F-R-E-E-N-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. It's sort of law of attraction stuff, but very different. Uh, Number two, mantothemax.com. Just spell it all out. M-A-N-T-O... T-H-E-M-A-X.com. That's the man project thing I'm working on. Uh, for fun, stalk me. I am so easy <laughs> to find. My mar- uh, So one more marketing gift for you. Ready? All right, go. You want to be easy to find and impossible to escape. Mm. Okay, okay, so, so I got to, like, bombard people. No. Easy to find. When I was doing neurolinguistic programming, products i misspelled everybody's name and and neurolinguistic programming in the most creative ways and people said no matter what i type in i find you yep Mm. can't help but find me i'm everywhere right uh so be easy to find and impossible to escape uh i had one guy send me a letter uh, he said i had to buy something from you because you won't go away and i said oh imagine that how cool is this uh so by the way don't feel bombarding feel feeding if if you got a tribe, they're hungry. Well, I will give say them, this: give them a daily food. Yeah, I, like I think part of me, part of the enjoyment, yes, is tongue in cheek shit. Yes, right? like I say bombarding. We could say whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, like, we totally. could say like yeah, oh, something yeah. it's nicer. A, it, it, but it's I how it actually like feels it. to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I go. Oh, I'm gonna bombard them, but I mean like, give them love, right? Like give them value, like all these things that we can say and dance around that sound pretty i just get more entertainment value out of going let's bombard everybody you know yeah 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 <laughs> it's funner to me i don't know when you conquer some territory pee all over it <laughs> <laughs> that way yep. you know it's that way you know it's yours and some people go "Ooh, did he really say that yes he did <laughs> <laughs> okay cool uh i want to appreciate uh i appreciate you so much thank you 2020 for coming on um thank you laurel for making the connection and bringing people together. Thank you guys. This was great. Let's do it again. (gasps) I want to do it again. Let's do it again. Okay. Absolutely. Hoo-ah.